Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, hanging out with you as always by the one, the only Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing good. Doing good, Mike. Lovely. Now, some uh, there's clearly been a lot of news in uh, in the last week or so in uh, in uh, Steelers Nation, I suppose you could say. Um, one of the smaller things that have kind of bo- uh, bubbled out today is uh, Juju Smith Schuster and his uh, his kind of thoughts on wanting to stay here in Pittsburgh. Do you think there's any world where it makes sense for the team to bring Juju back this year? And uh, do you see a move like that actually happening? I can't see it happening. It's just like we have three receivers. Like the 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 replacement level for Juju is a guy that's already on the team. You know what I'm saying? Like James Washington is is your replacement for Juju Smith Schuster. The drop off between him and Juju is nowhere near what Juju Smith Schuster is going to get paid. So to me, he's one of those guys. I, I divide up my guys into categories of like: are they more valuable to us than they are to other teams? Are they equal or are they like more less valuable to us than they would be to other teams? Juju's less valuable to us simply because we have people in place and we clearly he doesn't fit what we're doing on offense right now, like production wise. He's not gonna he's not gonna produce here. Yeah, yeah. And with that, there's uh the Steelers obviously have uh, a little bit of issues with cap spacing right now. And for a team that doesn't spend a whole lot of money on uh receivers after their rookie contracts are up. Giving someone like Juju a, a big money deal doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense, but the Steelers are starting to make some moves when it comes to uh, the getting to, uh, I, I guess, uh, 
that that bar, uh, that salary cap bar getting back to even. Uh, Cam Hayward uh, re- restructuring his deal. There's a couple other names that could pop up. Who do you expect uh, the next uh, those next moves to be for the Steelers to uh, get that uh, money back into the green? I think Stefan Tuitt. I know he's already restructured his deal once, and we're pushing a lot of money down the road in his contract uh, to the point that he's right now the th- number three. He's the number three cap hit on the team, uh, but he's got a nine million base salary that is a, that leaves you a lot of room to work with. Uh, he's only under contract through next year, though, so you can push you can push four and a half million back farther. But that I mean, you're going to have to pay him next year then because it's the end. Or, but I guess with his age, you can always extend him too, so it's workable. Right now, the other big news story of the week was one Mr. Ben Roethlisberger, and I I think we're going to spend a lot of time in the second half of our show breaking down Ben Roethlisberger and obviously what all this news means for the Steelers, means for Ben, and I guess even means uh, for what our topic of today's show really is going to be on the draft because there's going to be some heavy implications of Ben coming back for at least another season. So really kind of just getting into the topic of today's show. I'm curious, Jeffrey, are you a big of a draft nut as uh, as so- someone, I-, I guess like me, uh, could-, could say that I am? I am not. I'm really not. Uh, I will follow a few players. I'll follow a few positions. Every year I, I tend to look at like one need of the Steelers and really try to dive into players. But it, my problem with, with being a draft nut is I like to watch the film. I like to look at the stats. College game does not have great statistics. You don't have the same level of statistics. And I don't have access to all 22 film. You know, I, I love the players, like the people that are on, on YouTube that have access to that. That's awesome. I'll watch it just because you get to see that. But without the all 22 film, there's so many positions you really can't judge well. Yeah. And then when it comes to some of those stats as well, like if someone on a great team, you kind of got to throw those stats out the window. But then someone like Alex Highsmith uh, a year ago uh, playing for Charlotte, a a virtually brand new uh, football program in Division One lighting up the league and he was in the top three of sacks in the nation. All of a sudden a stat like that shoots players up to the top. So I guess with all that being said though, I know you still have a couple uh, players that uh, you consider your favorite uh, prospects of this draft. So with uh, if you're able to share a, a name with us, who's your favorite prospect? I, I know this is incredibly unlikely simply because of the situation the Steelers are in, the needs they have and the position the guy plays. Uh, but I am a huge fan of Christian Barmore from Alabama. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt, almost like a cross between them. He doesn't, he's like Stefan Tuitt in that he has two moves. He's got a bull rush and a swim move, the exact same combo that Stefan Tuitt brings. And he does the exact same thing with it. He drives into your backfield and wrecks your play. Doesn't put up great stats, which is kind of a Steelers hallmark of guys they go for on the defensive line. Guys that weren't big stat producers, but on film just show up. He's also sounds like everything I'm hearing about him. Again, caveats there. What you hear coming out about the draft and reality can be a lot different. He seems like a leader. Uh, he seems very intelligent. He reminds me a lot of a Cam Hayward and a Stefan Tuitt kind of combo. And uh, he would be a guy you could just draft and plug in there and and be like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna play with Cam Hayward for a few years, and then you're gonna take over being that kind of leader. Oh, when I look at it from my perspective, being that big draft guy, 
Boy, oh boy, is it hard to just share one name? Like uh, I'm repping a, a certain school uh, this <laughs> evening uh, for for reasons we'll get to later. But uh, outside of Trey Lance, uh, quarterback from North Dakota State, oh man, I, like we've talked about before, Zayvon Collins, uh, linebacker that can do everything, I think could really change the complexion of this team uh, and even take it another step further, kind of like what we saw in Tampa Bay. But really, to me, factoring what the Steelers are trying to do and who they're going to try to, I guess, target in the draft, someone like Christian uh, Darisaw, if he's there, the big left tackle from Virginia Tech, oh, man, that would be an outstanding pick. Uh, It's very easy to fall in love with a player like that. Now, when it comes to positional needs, that's when stuff kind of gets tricky when it comes to the draft, Jeffrey. Do you think the Steelers might – try to target someone that uh, fills the hole for them or are they still in best player available mode? Well, this brings up something I would actually like to, to, to dive into a little uh, is how the Steelers approach the draft. And I've, I've said things before, but I want to, if you, if you'll humor hear me here, I want to go into it a little deeper. Like for example, Michael, first round pick. How many positions can you look at the Steelers roster right now and say, man, you could use a first round pick on that position, regardless of the talent available, like regardless of the draft, what you know of who's available in the draft, what positions would you eliminate from that list and say, this position would make no sense to spend a first round pick on this year? Free safety. Uh, Probably defensive tackle. Uh, that seems like it's about it. Yeah. Maybe guard specific, like an yeah. only guard guy. Like there's so few positions you can look at and say, no, a first round pick there would be bad. Uh, obviously kicker punter. That would be bad no matter what year, but how the Steelers address the draft kind of flows into that. Like if you go, if you extend that to first, second and third round, you could see any position on this team being drafted in any of those spots. If the right player hits there, But at the same time, there's not a single player in the draft you can look at and say, we can get this guy at the optimal position. If you're going to say, we're going to draft one guy, you're going to have to take him before they probably should be taken just to get that guy. Like we've seen the Steelers do that. Like, for example, Terrell Edmonds, I believe they went after him because of his athletic profile. They wanted that athleticism at strong safety. So they had to take him before he probably should have been taken because otherwise you're probably not getting him. But Outside of like that kind of a situation, you're, you're taking best player available, which is how the Steelers approach the draft is the best way to do it, but also how they approach free agency. Because now you're looking at, okay, if we're going to just go best player available in the draft and we're going to take whoever's there, whoever's best on our list, then you have to enter the draft without a need. You have to enter the draft in your mind with every position. Okay, we can go into the regular season with this. Uh, and one of my best examples is 2018 to 2019. 2018, the Steelers had Vince Williams and John Bostick. There were a bunch of inside linebackers. They got taken. The Steelers walked into the season with John Bostick and Vince Williams. They were fine with that. That didn't work out for them well <laughs> at all. So the next year, Bostick's gone. They bring in, uh, what was his name? Mark Barron, Mark Barron to be that kind of coverage linebacker. And then they trade up in the draft to get Devin Bush. Well, yeah, they addressed the hole in free agency. Devin Bush gave him a player that was just like, boom, 
he's that player. If you can get him, you go get him. And they did. They went and got him. It didn't matter. if you. And they found ways to make it work. They played all those guys significant snaps. They all played. It worked. They'll find a way to make it work. So for me, going into the draft, expecting free agency, the Steelers are going to sign people to fill the obvious holes. Whether they're really the players you want or just a player, okay, we can live with this guy. They're going to fill those holes. Then when you hit the draft, they're going to look for that person that raises the level of play at that position the most, which does kind of rule out things like defensive tackle because when you have a Tuit and you have a Hayward, how much does a rookie bring? You know, he's going to be a rotational piece, and that's it for his first year. If you look at a linebacker, yeah, you could get a linebacker in the first round if he's a really athletic, crazy fit, good fit for Devin Bush, where you're going to have these just a dynamic linebacker duo back there in, in your base and in your nickel packages. That'd be worth it. If you're talking a third round guy, fourth round guy, nah, just, I mean, at that point, stick with Vincent and Robert Spillane. You're, you're fine already. So that's kind of how I, how the Steelers seem to approach the draft is they fill the holes with people who are adequate or better depending on what's available in free agency and what's cheap. And then they will approach in the draft just neutral and be like, who's going to be, who's going to up the level of play the most. Now, when we specifically look at the position of this team on top of that too, obviously the Steelers aren't going to be able to make some of these moves like they've had in years prior. And it could be that they slide in a vet minimum guy, but could they really anticipate someone with that low salary intake to really provide right away? I, I think they might have some glaring holes entering the draft. Which of the positions right now as you see it? Could the Steelers draft someone in the first round and that person ha having to have an immediate impact right away? Tackle. Uh, offensive tackle. Running back. They could go that way. Um those are the big ones, tackle and running back. Even like a tight end. Even if you draft a tight end, you're, they're probably still keeping Ebron, and that guy's mm -hmm. going to be going to have a little leeway. So those are my big two. Excuse me, tackle, offensive tackle, and running back. This is an interesting spot. What about center? That like that. That is a really hard position to step in day one, call out all the all the blocking schemes, work with Ben Roethlisberger. I know Marquise Pouncey did it. But he was a special talent, and I think yeah. I think we took that for granted a lot, especially with how many great centers this franchise has had. Could yeah. a center, could a day two center even, where the top two guys kind of project more, come into the lineup and start on day one? No, I don't think so. You you could with a round one guy, but I don't think there's anyone in there right now that you look at and say that's a guy that you would draft in the first round and plug into play in round one. Uh, center is a position. I think you have to sign somebody. You have to to pony up some money, sign a free agent, because there's there's no Marquise Pouncey in this draft. Marquise Pouncey was I mean, he's a Hall of Fame center, and he was that guy from his rookie season. He came in and changed the overall impact of the Steelers' offensive line <laughs> a lot. He made that line a lot better just by showing up. Now, one more thing with the center spot. There's a guy that, depending on who you ask, is either number one or the number two ranked center in the class. That's Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. He is left-handed when he snaps the ball. Do you think that is a factor that could raise a player up and down the draft board? Because we see it with quarterbacks, but as a center, 
me personally, I don't think I've ever seen a left-handed center ever before. Do you think that could impact his stock in any way? I think I think some teams would view that, but I don't think that's a big issue. I mean, especially from shotgun snaps, the rotation of the ball is going to be a little different. But like, really, if your quarterback is like, "Oh, the, the ball wasn't rotating the same way," like I can't, I can't catch the ball. Well, like you've got problems. Like he, your quarterback has problems there. Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, Marquise Pouncey was never the best snapper, especially in shotgun. He just never was. Uh, but it didn't matter. Ben Roethlisberger corralled him. He brought him in, and it, it wasn't a problem for any time he got them. You know, at least within Ben's ability to jump and reach the ball. Right, and <laughs> he had to do that a couple times, and one's already been uh, eliminated from my memory bank. Uh, I'm not even going to bring it up. So we're going to move on to the next question instead, <laughs> and that's because we are talking about offensive line a lot. Clearly, that is an, an issue that's a need. The Steelers could they could have their starting unit be completely made up of guys that are either on the roster right now and perhaps one guy that's not on it, but – that still won't mean they aren't going to draft offensive linemen. So how many do you think total could they potentially take in this year's draft? I'm expecting two. Uh, if they sign multiple free agents, you could see one. But I, I could see – I could honestly see three. I, I know some people are like, they need to draft offensive line every single pick. And I'm like, <laughs> this, that's not something the Steelers have ever, ever done. But I think you could see, especially if it's a first-round tackle – and maybe a third round center, something like that. You could then see them go back to it again in in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. Yeah, kind of like when the uh, Washington football team drafted RG three. Then what? Two rounds later, took Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Just really have to solidify the spot. Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, the second guy they picked turned out to be much better. But anyway, uh, continuing to look at the Steelers' draft needs, and and this is something that I know we talked about a little bit off air, but. Do you think the Steelers might be more willing to move someone up their draft board if it's a high positional need for an AFC North rival? Because, of course, we see the Browns and the Ravens picking just two spots back behind the Steelers. So clearly the Steelers could play that spoiler type of role. If if you see the Browns and Ravens both needing a middle linebacker, perhaps the Steelers could scoop them up. Do you think they could do that, or is that just – so far outside the realm of their philosophy that it would just never happen. It, it would be awesome if the best guy available happens to be someone the Browns or Ravens really, really want, and we grab him. Uh, but that's it. it. If like if there's a stud inside linebacker available, and the Browns and Ravens are both like, yeah, we want that guy. The Steelers could also just be like, yeah, you know what? We also really want that guy, and we're going to take him. Uh, but I don't think they would move anyone around on their draft board just despite a rival. Doesn't seem Kevin Colbert's style. Doesn't seem like Mike Tomlin's style. They're they are much more internally focused. Like if if we solve our own problems, then we should be able to beat those teams. We don't have to try and sabotage them. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And uh, the Steelers, even to their own fault, are also a team that is very focused on just the upcoming season, not future seasons, which I suppose as we kind of move on in the future years here, something that they might have to do uh, a little bit more, especially with some very marquee positions uh, uh, starting to become positions of need. Do you see the Steelers at all putting one eye towards the future and perhaps drafting a quarterback in the first round or 
perhaps a second round or does it seem like that's completely off the table now? I think that's completely off the table. The Steelers seem to have a different mentality towards building the future. Uh, and it's more like, you know, you build the future by having a good team this year. Y you know, you develop, you develop the talent you have by creating a winning culture now. They're, and I think they're more about how they develop the players they get than trying to get a better shot at a top guy. Like uh, like Mike Tomlin hold Chase Young. I hope I'm never – I hope, you know, I'm never in a position to draft a guy like you. Like, that's legit. That's that's how they view it. Like, you build a winning team by winning. Yeah, and that's that's been the Steelers, what, MO for – Long time. Forever, really. Yeah, yeah exactly. And – yeah, I just don't see the Steelers doing anything completely out of the ordinary. Um, but I ask you, what would be the biggest surprise in your opinion? It, it, perhaps the Steelers making a big trade up or drafting a position that none of us expected, like a wide receiver in the first round. What would be the biggest surprise? Biggest surprise in my mind would be them taking like a defensive tackle where team people would just be like, you, you, you have, you have needs, man. <laughs> like, like Najee Harris is there and there's some good left tackles there. And then they're like, yeah, we'll take a Christian Barmore. And I'd be like super pumped. And everyone else would be like, what is wrong with this team? Why would you take something you don't need? Yeah, I definitely feel the same way with that. With this team having so many needs, I don't think there's too many spots I'd be surprised at, I would say. But if they were to take a corner... I wouldn't be happy, even if it was the top-rated guy. Now, my question to you is, do you have any faith in this team's ability to draft the corner position whatsoever? I am I am interested. Let me, let me refresh. When was Justin Lane drafted? Was he 2018 or 2019? 19. 19. 19. Oof. With, with Devin I, Bush. I like... Austin Terrell is a defensive back guy. I don't know if he's a good drafter, but he was, he's had good success with defensive backs, but not like developing them more. So not really <laughs> like there's some defensive backs in this class. I really like, and I think they have a profile that could fit the Steelers. Like I would love for the Steelers. If you're going to get a cornerback, uh, what's, what's the kid's name? Patrick Sertain, uh, junior. Yeah. Yeah. His, he's, you know, he's he's going to know how to play NFL cornerback because he has people, right? You know, if you have someone like that, like a like TJ Watt, you could take him on a team that doesn't really develop outside linebackers well because in the offseason, he's learning from J.J. Watt, right? You, you know, like he's learning moves from J.J. Watt, not from whoever's coaching him in, at Pittsburgh. Uh, so to me, that kind of a situation is one you could go for defensive backs. Other than that, nah, man, don't don't draft a corner. We're so bad at that. Plus, I really like the fact that we have a Terrell Edmonds and we have a Minka Fitzpatrick. This is one of the things I, I will be eventually be covering in off in my offseason film rooms. Uh, the the, cor the safeties make the cornerbacks' jobs easier. You know, safety is often an undervalued position in the NFL, but a really good safety and an athletic safety who can cover a lot of ground and can and can be very versatile in how they're used can really help cornerbacks. And we have two cornerbacks that, as long as you Give them enough help. Like they need a certain level of help. And if you give them that, they're outstanding. If you don't give them that, then they have weaknesses that start showing up. Uh, like in 2019, Steven Nelson, you could beat him underneath because the Steelers had him playing back deep. 
this season they changed that a bit, and he he the Steelers' pass defense numbers on his side of the field were incredible this season. They were the second best team for passes to the left side of the field. Like, why? Because he had Minka and him working together better. Minka and him really worked better to, well together this year. He was able to play a lot more shorter routes and coverage, and he was phenomenal. He, he did it. They did it. They were the second least targeted and the second lowest yards per target of any team in the NFL with passes going to the left side. So with that, what makes a team so good at drafting one spot? Like the Steelers do at receiver, which it seems 90% of the time they hit. But then on the flip side, teams like the Patriots can't draft a receiver worth the damn or or the, even the Steelers, if we just talked about in their cornerback spot, is it just some dumb luck that they're so good at drafting these spots and so poor at drafting others? I think there's multiple things coming into play there. For one, I think the Steelers drafting wide receivers is actually overrated. I don't think it's so much that they draft the wide receivers. I think it's how they use them. I think mm. when they use them well, that's a, a big deal. Uh, like even Juju Smith-Schuster, when they use him well and they had Antonio Brown, like it didn't, it didn't matter. Like he was going to put up yards because teams weren't covering him. He had Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. That's starting to slow down a bit. You saw last year and the year before, like 2019, 2020, those wide receivers aren't lighting the world on fire. So – I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that a lot of those guys we get credit for being like, whoa, they found Martavis Bryant. And wow, they found Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders was legit. He didn't fit here. Uh, but a lot of that is guys that were, you know, across from Antonio Brown and, you know, getting getting passes thrown to him by Ben Roethlisberger, who was, you know, protected by an all pro offensive line. Like they were in a very favorable situation and they produced. Yeah, and with that too, like you said, the Ben Roethlisberger factor, and we are going to talk a lot about Ben Roethlisberger in the second part, so make sure you're hanging out for that, but that Ben Roethlisberger factor, how many guys, even before Antonio Brown, once they left the Steelers, look, it's Antonio Holmes, he kind of mm -hmm. fell off when he went to New York, Mike Wallace, obviously, is one of the more famous ones, going to Miami, then Minnesota, then Baltimore, just, and, there's so many guys. And then Mike Wallace, when he's like an older player. You know, it was going back praising Bill being like, you don't know how good you have it playing for Ben Roethlisberger. Like, really, you have it good. And he's not lying. He should have taken that contract offer the Steelers offered him. He should have taken a slight less money to stay here because him and Ben were unstoppable. He went to places where guys couldn't hit him deep and he couldn't produce. And when he got when he got back to guys who could throw deep, he produced well again, but never. Never like what he was doing with Ben Roethlisberger. Him, him and Antonio Brown would have been incredible. Incredible. You look at what Martavis Bryant and Sammy Coates, when he could, before his injury, what those guys are doing. Like, come on. Mike Wallace was much better than those guys. He would have, he would have absolutely torn it up with Ben. Who knows? Mike Wallace could even be playing now if, uh, if he took that deal. Yeah. He's still fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like we talked about Juju earlier in the show, perhaps he sees that with Mike Walsing, stuff like that, looks at Le'Veon Bell. Guys leave Pittsburgh, and what happens? They tend to flame out. Now, going back to that Juju stuff we said earlier, if he if he went to the Steelers on his hands and knees and said, I'll play for a third of the money that I'm being offered by Oakland or whoever, do you think they still say sure, or do you think they just say, sorry, Juju, uh, it's time for you? For us to move on here. Oh, I think they would pay him 
of decent. I think they would pay more than that. I think they would actually uh, pay a reasonable amount. I don't think they'll pay what he's going to get other places. Because uh, there's some teams that could really, really use him. Now, back to the draft stuff and the skill positions specifically, especially your running back, which is a spot that the Steelers absolutely need to add someone. And But by the looks of things, guys like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne uh, should be available. If not, one, if not both, at least one should be available when the Steelers are on the clock at t- pick 24. Are running backs worth the first-round pick in your mind? They are if... If you're getting that guy, like uh, Josh Jacobs in Oakland, what he was able to do for them, like his first two years. Because really, if you're drafting a guy in the first round, in my opinion, you're drafting him for his first two seasons. Because that's where you're going to get the most out of him. You're going to get that immediate boost on your offense. Uh, So I could see a Najee Harris kind of pick just because you're saying, all right, give us two years of just fantastic running back play while Ben's older and we're in our window, we still think this window is open. Our defense is still here. Let's do this, you know, kind of kind of give us a huge boost there. Because running backs do. Their first couple of years, running backs are the most valuable uh, draft picks in their first two years. Absolutely, in my opinion, the most valuable. After that, they start dropping off substantially. And in their second contracts, like, it's not like, what's the point? Uh, that's, that's just how, that's just the nature of the position, the nature of the NFL. So for me, yeah, a first round running back actually makes sense because you're making that investment for right now saying we don't need a guy who could be good. We need a guy who is going to be that impact player right now. Now I'll get your thoughts on this as well, but one of the things that I'm looking at when it comes to potentially taking a running back in the first round is that fifth year option, which Obviously, is a really nice tool when it comes to any first-round pick. But when it comes to a running back, it, it it's kind of a way to get another year out out of a player, uh, out of a position, really that is known to fall off as soon as they hit that second contract. If after four years, uh, say let's just say Najee Harris is on the Steelers and has been lighting it up, they can give him that fifth year, and then if he has a great fifth year then they can give him a, a franchise tag. And then after six years, you can say, yeah, we're not going to bet on you again. Sorry, you're more likely to fall off. Do you agree with that, that perhaps going running back in the first round makes a little bit more sense because you, you kind of have that freedom to uh, give them one-year deals whether or not they uh, they want to sign a one-year deal? Yeah, absolutely. Even with the Even with the reworking of that so that now the fifth year is tied to the transition tag amount. So it's only like, a, it's a little bit less than the, uh, the franchise tag, but it's still, you're not paying them, you know, a $30 million signing bonus. You're not investing money for five years in a guy. You're just one year. Uh, so yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to me. And we saw Le'Veon Bell, man. Le'Veon Bell was the best running back in the NFL for five seasons. And what was that worth to him? Like, you know, what, what did he get for that? So for me, I don't know. That's that to me just... I don't like it for the running backs. Like they're an incredibly valuable player. Uh, everyone's like running backs aren't worth anything. Well, that's because the rookie contract, you know, the rookie slotted salary cap makes them worth a certain amount because that's their best seasons. It's it's the one position that that rookie slotting is really unfair to is running backs because they are worth more 
when you draft them than they ever will be. Yeah, the, the hits they they take, it just adds up so quickly. It, it's obvious why the position burns out. But with that being said, we are halfway through our show. Uh, so if you're listening on the audio platforms, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can click over to the second part now if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Just hang out with us. We will be back in just a second, and we will get into some uh, Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger talk. Of course, he's kind of the, the news maker of the week. So make sure you're clicking over or hanging out with us uh, in the second part. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.